Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, I'm hopping in here today because I want to talk a little bit about this uh, interesting uh, conversation, this dialogue you might have seen uh, that's going on between Vicki Dillard and Tamika Mallory. Uh, Tamika's kind of talking over Vicki's head and not really talking to her directly, but we know she's kind of talking about her. And uh, we also know Vicki has some things to say uh, about Tamika. And I think that this is an interesting conversation in terms of understanding the dynamics of black leadership. Um, I think that uh, we should hear what women have to say on a lot of these issues. And I want to kind of break some of this down uh, because uh, Tamika just went on to the Breakfast Club and there are some things I'm noticing that I want you to really pay attention to. So we're going to talk about it right now. Please hit the thumbs up button, share button, subscribe button. So Tamika Mallory, Vicki Dillard, and even Cardi B, that's going to be the conversation today on DrBoyceTV.com right now. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your own. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, I want to say hello to everybody. Uh, and I want you guys to know that on this platform, uh, before we even begin, uh, we are black first. Uh, that's very important. It seems like a tiny thing, but it's a very big deal that we agree that we put our community first. Uh, that means that we're not into having our agendas watered down. Uh, we're not interested in trying to save the world. We don't care about trying to save immigrants and gay people and everybody else. Uh, that's all fine and good, but we have to save our community first in order for our community to move forward. In order for us to become the community that we're capable of becoming, we must become black first. That means take care of our people first, then we take care of everybody else. If you agree with me, if you agree with this philosophy, type a hashtag B and the number one in the chat. B1, B1, B1. Put that in the chat and let me know that you're B1 so we can agree to even have a conversation. Because if we can't agree on that, if we can't agree to put black people first, what's going to happen is that we're going to get diluted. We're going to get into trying to worry about what the feminists are doing. We're going to get into worrying about what gay people are doing. We're going to have to worry about what transgender people are doing. We've got to worry about what immigrants are doing. And I just believe, here's what I believe. I believe the black people don't have the luxury to be trying to save the world. Um, I believe black people have to save ourselves. Uh, that's where it must begin. So put a hashtag, be one in the chat if you get it. Okay, Raymond and Ann and Monty, I see you and Sonia and Mona, et cetera. I see all of you. I love you and I appreciate you. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit that thumbs up button right now if you haven't done it yet. So let's talk about this. Uh, I want to talk about <clears throat> this interesting dialogue between Vicki Dillard and Tamika Mallory. Tamika Mallory is an activist. Uh, she worked with Sharpton a lot. Um, I knew Tamika back when I used to hang out with Sharpton maybe a little over a decade ago. I stopped hanging out with Sharpton because I, we didn't see eye to eye politically, uh, but, I, but Tamika always treated me fine. I never had an issue with Tamika, uh, but I do think that there's something to, to discuss here, and I want to break this down in a way that hopefully is respectful, uh, but really I'm not, <clears throat> I don't care a whole lot about what the, uh, you know, necessarily what some of the key players are feeling. I'm really talking about the community uh, because this is where this, these conversations are really important. So uh, here's what's going on. Uh, give me a yes or no in the chat if you're even aware 
that Tamika and Vicky are having kind of this weird back and forth that we, you know, where Vicky feels a certain way, Tamika feels a certain way. And, uh, and I think Vicky, um, I can't summarize all her points of view. You should actually go. Um, I'm, I'm going to share the link actually to her video on fly Nubian queen. She said a lot today and uh, there's the link right there. Uh, I just put it in the chat so you guys can go take a look and hear her words directly. Cause I don't want to miss, um, misinterpret what she's feeling. Okay. Um, I know that they have a, a disagreement about, uh, policy uh, disagreement on, uh, among many things, uh, some of the stuff going on with the Biden administration, uh, whether the Biden administration is actually doing things for black people or not. Uh, Tamika has a point of view, uh, et cetera. It is what it is. But here's the thing. Okay, so here's what I want to dig into, actually. Um, you know, I saw Tamika was on The Breakfast Club, and and one of the things that she did that I think that she should be challenged on a little bit is this defense of the Biden administration. Um, and really almost to the point where it appeared she appeared to be carrying water for the for the Biden administration, um, you know, kind of um, explaining away and saying, well, he's doing this for black people, doing that for black people. So I'd be curious to know what you guys think. Give me a yes or no. Uh, yes or no. Do you feel that uh, that the Biden administration is doing enough for black people? Uh, do you feel yes or no? Do you feel that the Biden administration is doing a satisfactory amount of work? or even close to it. Let's just be real nice, real loose standard. It ain't got to be straight. It ain't got to be blickety black. But I'm talking like, do you feel that they're even doing like the bare minimum for black people? Or do you feel that what they're, the level of energy they're putting toward the black community relative to the energy that we put into voting for them, right? Voting for them was our number one priority. Um, do you feel that black people are even their number four priority? Uh, we, we made them our number one. Did they even make us, the, 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 were we even their number three, their number two, their number five? Like, give me a yes or no. Okay, Sean says, hell no. Antonio says, no. Raymond Walker says, no. Crystal says, not at all. I do not see a single yes. I do not see a single yes anywhere, right? So so I think that where, where um, the first step point I'll, I'll start with, and she was on The Breakfast Club and she was talking with Charlemagne, and I know they have relationships. Like these people, they do business together and all that. And, uh, and I'm just gonna say it right now, um, I ain't got nothing negative to say about Charlemagne. Uh, I've known Charlemagne since 2006. Uh, he's always been very respectful. Uh, he actually, my book, What If George Bush Wore a Black Man, that I wrote way back a long time ago, uh, I gave him a copy of the book on the Wendy Williams show. And he said, yeah, I want to read your book. And I thought, I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, whatever. I didn't think he was going to read it. And he really read it. He really read it. And uh, and I've known him for a long time. And he's always treated me with respect. So this is not me. I'm not jumping in and doing any kind of diss track on Charlemagne. I understand people do business. Things happen. People have relationships. You got It's a delicate thing. I get that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. My most important relationship is not with uh, any of the people that I've talked about. Right. My most important relationship is with you, with the community. Right. It's, it, the question becomes, again, I told you I'm a mathematician. I believe in solving problems. Um, as a mathematician, you have to show up with a solution. You can't sort of just talk your way around it. You can't pretend like you have the solution. You can't tap dance and breathe heavy and jump up and down and think that that's the same as having a solution. You can't wave your arms to have a solution. You have to actually solve the problem. So when I think about the black community, my goal at the end of the day is to say, how do we solve the problem? Well, what are the problems? Well, among other things, the number one problem, I mentioned to this to you guys yesterday when we were talking about reparations, the number one problem for the black community, the number one issue is the economics. Every, everything else stems from that. He who has the gold makes the rules. So when you talk about laws and legislation, those are the rules. 
the people that have the gold make the rule, make the rules. Black people don't have enough gold. Our gold was stolen from us. And white people continue to take our gold because we love to give our gold away. So with that said, um, our number one challenge is are, are things like the wealth gap. And as a result, uh, communities are falling apart. Families are falling apart. Police people getting shot in the street. All these things are happening because you don't have the economics in place. Right. So when you're talking about solving these problems uh, and I'm looking at black so-called black leadership, these are the Negroes that get invited to the White House, the ones that get put on TV. One of the things that you that I want to tell you that there really is a pessimistic gives me a very pessimistic outlook on our ability to solve the problem is the fact that they don't I don't believe they want to solve the problem. Um, I believe that they deliberately uh, invite the wrong people to talk about the problem, right? If, if I, I'm talking to two people and one person is educated on the problem and has a solution, like say a Dr. Claude Anderson, and I've got another person, like say, I don't know, Cardi B, who is not educated about the problem. Uh, she knows how to strip. She, she's, she knows how to sell some WAP. And she knows how to rap. She is a good rapper. I, I don't care what anybody thinks. You might think she's not talented. I think Cardi is very talented. Um, Cardi is not a sociologist. Cardi B is not a lawyer. Cardi B is not a scholar. Cardi B is not a, um, a you know, she's not a person who is well-versed in black history. Cardi B is not an economist. So when you see a guy like a Joe Biden, this is what I want you to kind of hang on to, right? You don't have to get emotional. You don't have to get mad at people and say, oh, to hell with you. No, no, no. Just bring them some facts. Bring them some facts. Let them get, let them be the ones who get mad. I want you to be strategic and logical. And I want you to say, so, so do you think, give me a yes or no in the chat. Let's make this real explicit. Do you feel that the Biden administration is serious about solving problems in the black community when they pass over every legitimate black scholar that's respected by you, by the community? They pass over Dr. Claude Anderson, who is a black historical figure. He is a walking manifestation of Marcus Garvey mixed with W.E.B. Du Bois and Frederick Douglass, all in all rolled up in one. You literally have a walking historical figure who is an absolute expert on everything that ails black people. He dedicates his life to this. I've talked to this man in private and he will sit there and he will talk to you for six hours straight about black folks and black folks problems. Do you think that they that the Biden administration is serious about solving problems for black people? when they refuse to have a conversation with the Dr. Claude Anderson, but instead choose to speak to a Cardi B instead of Dr. Claude Anderson. Give me a yes or no in the chat. I'm asking this question real clear. So for the slow people in the back who think I'm just trying to be a hater, the people in the back who think, oh, well, well this is, there's another point of view. Or the people in the back who think, well, you know, you, you don't really get it. No, I'm, I'm really keeping it straight forward in 100 with you guys. So, so they, the reason the problem won't get solved is because, the people that you're leaning on to try to solve the problem are not serious about solving it. So this is where the black misleadership class comes into play. This is where you got the, the black people, black folks on TV, the ones that get invited to the White House. Uh, it's, I've made it clear. I hope I've proven my point that they don't invite the right people to even have conversations with them. So uh, you've got people on TV and Tamika, unfortunately, has become one of them. I don't know what else there is to her arsenal, but, but, but unfortunately, she's become one of those people that gets invited to come and speak to them. When we made it clear that they don't speak to the right people, they speak to the wrong people. They don't talk about the right issues. They talk about the wrong issues. And that and that's not just me speculating. This is proven. It's proven that the racial wealth gap has not closed since 1968. Ever since they put the civil rights leadership in place, these were selected leaders. Many of these people were picked by white supremacists to allegedly lead the black community so they can drive your whole movement off a cliff. There were other movements in the 1960s. The civil rights movement, we shall overcome holding hands and praying to white Jesus. That was not the only movement that was going on. There were other movements out there, but they deliberately worked 
to suppress those movements so they can replace it with something that wasn't going to be effective. And not only would, so, so the only thing that was effective about what happened in 1968 is that they were very effective in making sure that the movement was ineffective. They were very effective in making sure that black wealth, that the, the wealth, right? Don't get me wrong. They gave you lots of um, symbolism. They gave you lots of, uh, of, uh, of your, your self-esteem. They told you that they loved you. They told you Black Lives Matter. They gave, maybe gave you a few jobs to go with it. So, you know, so they threw you lots of butter, biscuits, and crumbs, but they didn't actually share the gold. They didn't share the gold, right? And I told you in America, it's a capitalist society. He who has the gold makes the rules. They didn't want to share the gold with you, so they kept you focused on these other stupid little issues like transgenderism. What the fuck do I have to do with a transgender person? I have a penis and I'm glad to have one. And that is who I am. I don't know disrespect for anybody who's in another category, but I don't want to sit around and talk about that because I got too many important issues to solve in my own family, in my own community. There's a lot of other stuff going on besides whether or not you think boys and girls should have to use the same bathroom. No disrespect to you or your pronouns, but that's not the issue I want to hear black leaders talking about. Right. And, and, and so effectively, when you talk about the misleadership class, here's what's going on with black misleadership. And this is why um, the reason that the, your leadership is ineffective is because you're being led by white supremacists. White supremacists in whiteface are choosing white supremacists in blackface to pretend to be black leaders. And they're utilizing the fact that you admire people, not because they actually are the most qualified for the job, you tend to be you, you have been trained to admire people because they're on TV. That's it. That's that's literally the one thing that distinguishes them is that a white person who owns a TV network picked that one person to put them on TV. They ignored everyone else. They won't put a Farrakhan on TV. They won't put a Dr. Claude Anderson on TV, but they'll go put, you know, some somebody on TV who fits what they want to see happen. Right. And so effectively, here's what's going on with this. This is why you're not getting results from um, from any of this. Right? All the all this voting and everything that you're doing. This is why it's not moving your community forward. It's like this. Um, you have you have the, the white supremacists who want to maintain their power. They want to keep the goal for themselves. And they're thinking, gosh, what are we going to do about these black people? They're starting to figure this out. They're starting to figure out the hustle. Uh, how do we shut this down? So they go to the misleadership class and they say, um, we want to help the black community. And so we want to uh, we want to get to certain people and we need you to get us to those certain people so we can make them happy. But we want to make sure you bypass certain other people. Right. We want you to bypass the true leaders in the community and skip through and make yourselves into the leaders. Pretend like you're the leaders. Right. And in a way, that's sort of like um, if you let's say a government official or government office says, uh, we want to help the children of this family and we want to make sure that they're OK. And someone says, OK, well, why don't you go talk to their parents? And they say, no, we don't want to talk to the parents. Let's just go talk to the kids. Let's skip skip the parents and go to the kids. And then we can guide the kids and make them do what we want them to do. And someone will say, well, how could you help the kids if you're not talking to their parents? Well, we don't really care what the parents think. We only care about the children. We, all, we don't even care about the children. We want to control the children, right? We want the children to do what we need them to do. Well, this, you know, when I, so when I see um, white supremacists, you know, in the Biden administration, et cetera, people that basically when I say white supremacy, I'm talking about anybody who supports the pre-existing infrastructure that's been built over 400 years that puts white people on top and makes them powerful and makes black people powerless. The white supremacists are saying, okay, 
we want to reach black people and we need to manage them and manipulate them in certain ways to get them to do certain things. But we must bypass the parents of the community. We must bypass anybody in the community that is seen as an authentic grassroots leader. And we got to go right to uh, certain people. Right. So uh, Tamika Mallory, one thing that Tamika said that was really interesting on The Breakfast Club was she said that uh, she wanted to work. Uh, she talked about Cardi B. And she was mentioning Cardi B because she said that she wants to reach uh, the Cardi B types of the community. I want to reach the Cardi B uh, audience. Right. And uh, and I and, and so. So what was interesting to me is I thought, hmm, does that audience reflect the, the essence of the black community to you? Like, is that audience no disrespect to those who are in the Cardi B audience? Right. If you're talking about maybe strippers or people that sell WAP for a living or people that will drug a man and, and rob him. Uh, fine. Those people deserve love, too. Maybe after you finish drugging and robbing men, you're going to try to become a better person. There's no problem. There's no problem with that. But the idea that you define the black community as the Cardi B audience is a little bit uh, concerning because I don't really know if the Cardi B audience is, is a reflection of the majority of the community. So I want to ask you guys this. If you define the Cardi B audience as people who think they call what Cardi raps about is okay, right? You remember Cardi B, Vicky shared a video where Cardi is talking about uh, some real interesting stuff about how she used to drug and rob drug men so she can rob them. She did basically to men what Bill Cosby did to women. Exact same thing. The reason Cosby's in prison and Cardi's not is because Cosby's a black man. Cardi is a, is a woman who's going along with the white supremacist agenda. Their crimes are very similar. Uh, if Cardi were a man, give me a yes or no. If Cardi B were a man and she did the same thing and she said, I spent my career drugging and robbing women because I struggled for money. Do you think that Cardi B would be um, a free person? Do you think that she'd be Free or you think she'd be locked up? Type it in the chat. Let me know. What do you think? Do you think if Cardi B were a guy and she said, you know, and, 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 and Cardi were to say, look, you know, I was struggling for money. I had to feed the kids and I had to go and uh, and drug some women and, and uh, you know, rob and rape them or whatever, uh, because I, I was really desperate for a vagina or I was desperate for money. Uh, and, you know, and I, I regret it. I, I'm not doing it anymore. But that's what I did. Do you think that that would be OK? Do you think that she'd be free or do you think she'd be locked up? Right. I think she'd be locked up. Right. So so when when Tamika steps out and speaks and on Cardi and says, you know, I'm, I'm supposedly an activist and a black leader or whatever kind of leader she claims to be. Um, and I want Cardi. I admire Cardi B. Like I admire this person who drugged and robbed men for a living uh, and, and, and also raps to little girls about how to sell their vaginas and stuff like that. Um, and then she says, I want to reach that Cardi B audience. What I kind of see is this interesting thing going on where part of the reason that you can't move forward and make progress is because a lot of your 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 black leaders are inherently white supremacist in the fact that they tend to give people respect and admiration just because white people put them on TV. I mean, I want you to think about this for a minute. Right. What makes Cardi B so significant in the black struggle? Let's just pause in that point for a minute. I want us to really meditate on this. This is, this is really, you know, on this show, I like to encourage you to think deeply. The more you think about something, the more you, insights you'll have on it, right? So I want to encourage you to be patient and think through this with me. What makes Cardi B, but Tamika Mallory, this is a question I'd ask her. What makes Cardi B significant in the black struggle? Um, okay, uh, what, is, what is Cardi B? Cardi B is a, uh, here's what she's known for. She's a stripper. Um, this is these are the big things, right? She was a stripper who uh, who can rap really well. Um, a lot of people feel like she can. Uh, she used to drug and rob men for for their money. 
Um, she she cusses a lot. Uh, she raps to little black girls or little girls everywhere about um, how, you know, she says uh, lyrics like um, shake a little ass, get a little dough, shake it real fast, get a little mo. I listen to the lyrics. I study lyrics of artists. I, I pay attention to what is being consumed by the subconscious and subconscious mind of black people. And it fully explains every every reason why many of our people are very oppressed. And um and, and I said, OK, so there but there are other strippers out there. There's millions of them, I'm sure, at least hundreds of thousands of them. There are strippers who rap. So there are rapping strippers out there. Um, you know, so does being a rapping stripper uh, qualify you to be, you know, on the in the foreword of a book written by an alleged black leader? Is it, is it does that qualify you to be interviewed with by President Joe Biden? No, none of that does. Right. It's the fact that white people put her on TV. That's it. That's literally the one thing that separates Cardi from everybody else is that some company or a white supremacist company. And when I say white supremacist, I'm not saying in a hostile way. I'm saying it in a direct way. White people run that shit. Like when white people run the company, that's white, a white supremacist, systematic, systematically racist organization because white people are able to take white people tend to take care of white people. Just like I believe black people should take care of black people. So I'm not even mad about it. I'm just stating it as a fact. So a white supremacist organization has picked a black person among the million black people they could have picked. I know a lot of rappers. I know a lot of rappers <laughs> and they would love to be where Cardi is. Their talent matches Cardi's talent. Um, but they can't get that opportunity. They're not going to be promoted like that, right? So they promote this uh, this rapping stripper who drugged it, who's the drug rob and rape men uh, to make money, and they prop her up. And then suddenly, black people who are not deep thinkers see her and say, "Ah, okay, that's one of our most significant people, right?" It's not it's not the people in the community doing the work. It's not the the mother, millions of mothers and fathers in the in the hood holding it down for black children. It's not the people that are protecting black babies. You're elevating and you're promoting the people who harm black children. So you're taking poison and you're making poison into you're convincing people that poison is a health food. Like you're 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 taking the worst of the worst. You're playing right into their hands, right? You're playing right into the hands of white supremacists. That's why I explained to you that many of your black misleadership class are actually white supremacists because they're they're doing this really illogical, they're engaged in this really illogical act of turning to the people who hate you the most and saying, how can we elevate black people by allowing you to be my partner, right? That, you know, it's like saying, how can I, I'm going to protect my daughter by partnering with a man who rapes her every day, right? You can't partner with your daughter's rapist and expect him to help you Make your your daughter into a, a whole and healthy person. That's not going to work. So the fact that you have so many people in the black misleadership class, this highly ineffective group of people who can't produce any real tangible results for for their work um, other than the symbolic, uh, you know, the, the reason that this doesn't work is because they come to you constantly with these allies, right? These allies like my ally is the Biden administration. I'm talking to black people right now. And I just asked you all, I said, okay, so what, tell me, tell me where I'm wrong. Where, what has the Biden administration done for you that makes you feel like your life is better now? What, what is the Biden camp doing to show you that they even are even anywhere close to putting the black community at the top of the priority list? So, so you're telling me that this, this group of people means nothing to you. They're not helping you, but yet your so-called leaders are carrying water for the people who haven't done anything for you. 
so 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 the simple idea is that these are not your leaders, right? Um, th- th- this idea that um, Tamika is is celebrating a Cardi B when Cardi B is a rapist and a and a criminal. It's not. I'm not hating on her music. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, there's lots of men, you know, in, in hip hop that that are despicable too. They have a lot of apologizing to do. We even talked about, for example, Ice Cube. I, I I liked I did like Ice Cube's music when I was younger. I saw Ice Cube's music evolve as he got older. If you listen to his newer stuff, he's he's evolved. But um, I told I, I I love Ice Cube as an activist. Um, some of that stuff that happened in the music, I do think that he is as well as a lot of guys have to explain that they have you got to fix that because you were part of creating that right. And I would say that to him right. So so I, I think that overall, when you're talking about this idea that we as a community, when we're trying to have an impact, we're turning to uh, rappers as the primary source of information on all things that are gonna benefit or, or, or help black people, that's a misguided perception. It doesn't mean rappers can't contribute, right? It doesn't mean Cardi B can't be uh, a contributor to the movement, right? It doesn't mean Cardi B can't write a check. It doesn't mean Cardi B can't lend her hand, but what really has to happen here, here's the, here's the subtle point is that the people in the community that are doing the actual work that really care about the community that are getting results should be the leaders of all of that, right? They, they should be the ones granting the blessing for a, an artist to even be allowed to be involved. And so one area where I'll give an Ice Cube credit is that Ice Cube went to Dr. Claude Anderson to really get his blessing on his contract with Black America and to get his consultation on how to structure that. Right. He went to people that are in the in the work, in, you know, in the community, really doing the work that are actually creating things that are actually working to actually talk about ways that he can use his power to more effectively support what was already going on. He didn't come in and say, um, I need to meet with Joe Biden because I'm famous and that's it. Right. So so with, with a Cardi B going to meet with, with Joe Biden and simply repeating talking points of the Democratic Party, that's not going to be effective. So it, it so comes back to this basic idea that we talk about on this platform is uh, in this fundamental question. I'm, and let's let's stick back. Let's go back to a simple question so we can really frame this conversation in the right way. Um, the question is, are you B1 or are you not B1? A black leader must be B1, meaning black first. A black leader must be a person who puts the black community's agenda above and beyond everything else. A black leader must be a person who uh, does not allow a black agenda to be overly diluted by a bunch of other agendas that are going to put black people at the back of the bus. White supremacy does not just come from the Republicans. White supremacy comes from the Democrats too, largely because the Democrats tend to put themselves ahead of any issues or any anything that matters to the black community. Uh, the, the, the Democrats, what's interesting is that your black Democrats are not black first and then Democrat. They are Democrat first and then black. So they only get to be black when uh, the Democratic Party allows them to be. So once the Democratic Party gives their blessing and allows them to be black, then suddenly they start talking black. But usually the blackness is under the umbrella of a Democratic Party initiative. So they'll come to you and they'll talk about, let's say, some um, LGBT issue. And they'll say, well, there are black gay, black people who are gay. So this is going to help the black community. Or they'll talk about climate change and they'll say, well, there are black people who are affected by climate change. So this is going to help black people, too. And it's very coincidental blackness. That's that's black people being the cart instead of black people being the horse. 
So what what I what I'm what I'm saying to you is that there's a difference between a black leader who will go to say, let's say I'm using Dr. Claude Anderson Anderson as an example, who will go to a Dr. Claude Anderson and say, what do black people need? How do I uh, best use my power to support that? Versus somebody who simply says, I'm going to ignore and bypass the people that black people love and respect. And I'm going to simply bring a Democratic Party agenda to the black community. So when I saw Tamika on The Breakfast Club speaking about Biden as if he's a friend to the black community, that tells me that you're pretty much an employee of the Democratic Party. You, It is fine. That's OK. I mean, just like if I was a McDonald's employee, I'd wear a McDonald's uniform and I would represent the interests of McDonald's. But but that but the thing is, I can't be more than one thing at one time sometimes. Right. I have to decide what's my priority. Am I B1 or am I, am I McDonald's one? Right. Are you B1 or are you Democratic Party one? Right. What Which one are you? And I think that uh, Tamika and a lot of these other people are pretty much Democratic Party first because they get a lot of their power and their leverage from uh, white supremacists, white owned media outlets and white owned political parties that then end up telling them what agenda to take to the black community. So you're kind of a um, a, 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 a black representative of the Democratic Party, whose job it is to be a political boss, to corral black people underneath some sort of Democratic Party agenda that's going to lead to the same ineffectiveness that we've had for the last 50, 60 years. Now, uh, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Please do that. Um, and uh, and so I want to. So let's go back to this basic question then that I think black leaders should be asked. Are you B1 or not? Are you B1 or not? So uh, so so the way I would describe B1, uh, there's many ways you can describe this. But I want to break it down and give you a, a specific framework to kind of process this so you can kind of decide how you want what position you want to take on this. Uh, I spoke yesterday when I explained to you guys that quality of life, that if I'm B1, it, you know, and I say I want black people's lives to be better. Then uh, and I go to black people and I say, what would make you happier? What, what are the things that would um, allow you to have a better life? Right. That, that's a great framework to sort of think about in terms of how I can be most effective in helping you. Right. Well, I read somewhere that your quality of life is measured by three things. We talked about this yesterday. I'm going to mention it again. Health, wealth and relationships, uh, health, wealth and relationships. What is your physical and mental health? How are you doing mentally and physically? Uh, what is your wealth like? Do you feel financially secure? Is your income high enough? Do you own some assets? And then relationships. What are your relationships like? Um, do you love yourself? Do you love each other? Uh, how, you know, are you able to get married and build stable families? Are you able to get together with other black people and work together and have a good life together? So, so let's talk about Cardi B. So let's talk. So Tamika Mallory loves Cardi B. Tamika Mallory sees herself as a black activist. And I know that there's a debate about that, right, with Tamir Rice's mother kind of blasting her and stuff like that. But I'm not going to disqualify her because of that, because I know that people in that space, they get criticism and that happens. Right. But let's but let's go back to this. Right. So you're Tamika Mallory. You're a you're a leader, so-called leader in the black community. You're sitting, you know, at press conferences with Ben Crump and Al Sharpton and and people like that. Uh, and 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 you, okay, so you claim to represent the black community. Uh, so I want to do a test. And oh, and then the last piece this is important. So so you you mentioned Cardi B writing a foreword to your book, and you basically compare yourself to Cardi B. Like I think she said, I think she said something like, "I'm a little bit of twerk and a little bit of work." And again, that's another problem. That's another reason why your your leadership is not effective is because as a community, you're very immature. I, I hate saying it, and I and I can't even talk. I mean, I play video games, right? <laughs> Y'all know this, but I but I play my video games after I handle my business, right? I handle my business. I make enough money. I take care of my woman. I take care of my family. I'm the head of a household. But sometimes I chill out with my boys and we play video games, right? So I'm not making fun of this, but I'm saying that 
the immaturity cannot be the source of your leadership. Like, so when I embrace the black leader and I'm stepping out and I'm going to, you know, do a tour later on this year and go to different cities and speak, I won't be talking about video games until after we talk about what the community needs, right? So here's the thing. So, so Tamika Mallory, you're, you're, you're a, a black activist and leader. Uh, you mentioned that you're a little bit of twerk and a little bit of work. You love Cardi B. Okay. And Cardi B is uh, on your forward. Cardi B does the interview with Joe Biden. When a lot of black scholars would have gladly taken that interview, there are plenty of intellectuals in the black community who will be capable of taking the interview. They don't want to speak to the, the intellectuals because they're going to ask too many hard questions. So they say, let's go to the, the rapper, you know, the rapper stripper who used to drug and rob men for a living. Let's go to her as the representative of black people. Right. Which is right there. I mean, that right there again tells you. Like you should you should be insulted by that because that is but but don't be spend as much time being insulted to, to the point where you don't understand that they're telling you who they are. Remember, Maya Angelou used to say, when people show you who they are, you gotta believe them. When they show you who they are, you gotta believe them. They're constantly showing you who they are and where they stand. And so uh, the question is, are you B1 or not? So let's look at Cardi B and the Tamika Mallory combo and go back to those three measures of quality of life health, wealth, and relationships. If I love black people and I'm B1, then I want black people to be healthier, wealthier, and have better relationships. That's a good contribution I can make to the community. If I can find some tangible results that will allow me to prove that I'm helping in this process, then we're good, right? Okay, so let me ask you this. So so Cardi B is a uh, person who, um, you know, has probably slept with maybe over a thousand men. Um, she, uh, she has, uh, she's, she's a stripper, she 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 raps about selling vagina. Um, so your daughters are hearing this, right? Your six year old, seven year old daughters are learning how to sell their vagina at an early age, right? Which means that about twelve or thirteen years old, some of these little girls are going to go out and start dating older men and whatever, getting in all kinds of situations. And of course, they're going to blame the black man. They're going to say, "Well, black men are doing this to little black girls." Well, no, the whole community is doing that because you're letting your little girls get sexualized at the age of seven. You're sexualizing your kids at the age of seven, and then you wonder why they become sexual um, creatures at the age of eleven or twelve years old. Well, it's because you're letting you're, you're elevating you're celebrating your daughter's watching you when you are as a tamika mallory uh, are celebrating a person who's rapping about little girls selling their vagina right or rapping to little girls about how much money you make by selling your vagina right i don't rap to my girls about selling their vagina i rap to my girls about starting businesses i, I talk to my daughters about getting educated i talk to my daughters about loving and valuing themselves and understanding the power and the importance of sexuality and why uh their womb is one of the most precious places in the universe and that any old man shouldn't have no business getting next to your body if he ain't coming correct right that's what i rap about right so Car- but cardi raps and she says shake a little ass get a little dough shake it real fast get a little mo right okay so let's so let's because so do you think health wealth relationships b1 do you think little black girls are going to be physically and mentally healthier if they see tamika mallory their their so-called black leader celebrating cardi b saying i want to be like cardi cardi's awesome uh, and, and then she's looking up the cardi b so they're looking up the cardi b do you think little black girls are going to be healthier give me a yes or no in the chat are they going to be healthier by hearing Cardi B lyrics every day, uh, or you know, versus hearing say, I don't know, Dr. Francis Chris Welsing every day. Well, give me a yes or no. What would make them healthier mentally and physically in terms of choices that they make? Exposure to STDs, exposure to rape and molestation, exposure to bad choices, exposure to drug addiction, exposure to crime, exposure to bad outcomes in life. Do, do you think that they're gonna be healthier 
by hearing Cardi B every day, right? Right, because they're looking up to Tamika. Tamika says, "I look up to Cardi B," so they're looking up to Cardi B. That's what they aspire to, right? These aspirations are important. When I grew up, I used to look up to Muhammad Ali. I aspired to be that, right? So, but instead of being looking up to Muhammad Ali, your daughters are looking up to Cardi B because they're black leaders, their so-called black leaders and activists are telling them that Cardi B is this amazing human being. Okay, so we know that that's not going to work. So they're not B one in that category. So they do not meet, meet the qualification of black leadership in that category. Wealth. Okay, so uh, we talk about black wealth, uh, financial security, um, income, economic opportunities, etc. Do you think your daughters will be uh, more stable financially if they follow the Cardi B model to success? If they say, hey, if I become a stripper, then I can become a famous rapper and I'm going to become very wealthy that way. And, you know, as opposed to you know, a doctor, lawyer, engineer, like those boring professions or, or entrepreneur, you know, an investor, like who cares? Who gives a shit? Who, who, nobody wants to listen to Dr. Boyce, right? Dr. Boyce will tell me to go and invest my money and buy real estate and start businesses. Cardi B tells me that if I just shake a little ass, I'll get a little dough. If I shake it real fast, I'll get a little mo. Do you think your daughters will be wealthier taking that route or taking a more productive route or, or a different route, the, the, the route that I described in the other uh, category? Like, do you think that they'd be better off starting businesses and becoming entrepreneurs and and uh, and uh, investing? Or do you think that they should just, you know, like forget education and all that? Just go shake some ass. Right. You can or say, oh, go find you a guy who's got a lot of money. Like Cardi will say this. Right. Again, I'm a guy that has a little bit of money. I, I will confess that I've made money in my lifetime. I, I'm an investor. I've made a lot of money. I don't talk about it because I don't think money's that important. But I but I have made money. Um, so Cardi has told me she's informed me that because I have money that I can have access to her womb. Like I, you know, like if I just show up with, you know, $50 and a Scooby snack and a pair of, of Jordans or something like I can probably get her for the whole weekend. Right. So. So do you think your daughters are going to be wealthier taking that path or do you think they'll be wealthier taking a, a, a different kind of path? All right. Now, last last question I asked. So relationships. So that's quality of life. Right. If you're B1, you care about black people's quality of life, health, wealth and relationships. So we decided that the Cardi B route is not going to lead your daughters to have more health, better physical, mental health. Uh, we've decided the Cardi B route is not going to lead your daughters to have more wealth. They're probably end up like most strippers who are trying to have a rap career. Um, they, they don't usually end up with multi-million dollar record deals. They end up with, you know, with an empty bank account, and a bunch of STDs um, and their relationships. Um, do you think that your daughters will have better relationships uh, in their lives if they do the Cardi route? If they just say, hey, if I meet a guy, I'm a lure man with some vagina and I'm a drug him and I'm going to rob him and put money in my pocket and I'm just going to you know, live the Cardi life. Do you think that 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 looking at Cardi as a mentor? It's going to lead your daughters to have some more stable families, um, healthier relationships with themselves. I mean, do you think they're going to love themselves more? Like, do you think that they're going to have a good relationship with themselves, with, with their man, with their children, with their with, with the black community? Right. Uh, OK. OK. I see a lot of no's. All right. So thank you, Deandra and Melissa and uh, and, and Daryl. And I see a lot of ladies are responding and Kim. And, uh, and, and so I think this is all important. Right. To, to kind of talk about <coughs> because I also saw someone who made a good point. Uh, Soledine says, I believe parents should teach their children this at home instead of me- letting media do it. And I agree. I agree 100 percent. Parents should not teach their children to become like Cardi B unless that's just what you do. If that's your culture, because Tamika said, I want to market to the Cardi B type people, you know, and that's fine. I'm not judging that. Right. But but I don't really know if that's always the best approach to be successful in life But whatever. Right? People do what they want to do. But here's the thing. Here's the problem with what you just said. Um, uh, pseudonym. Um I'm a parent. 
And uh, I'm marrying an awesome black woman uh, on the 21st of this month who um, has a uh, PhD in social work and uh, she's a tra trained licensed therapist, life coach, all that stuff. Um, I mean, an outstanding scholar. She's a full professor, not a associate or assistant professor, full professor. It's very hard to be only 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 one percent of all people get a Ph.D. Only one percent of the Ph.D.s, I think, become full professors. Right. So she's really an elite class as far as black women. And I've done OK myself. So we and we don't have stupid kids. You know, we talk about our kids about we talk to our kids about a lot of intelligent issues and we talk to them a lot. We, we, we do everything in our power to train them on the things they need to know to be successful. But one thing we cannot do is we cannot stop our children from being exposed to what appears in media. Um, why is that? Well, because their friends are gonna bring it to them. Um, they're gonna hear it in school. Uh, they're gonna see it on the internet, right? So, so this idea that somehow parents can block their children from everything that might harm them is, is just not, Reality. I don't know. Any parents in the room know what I'm talking about, where you will have your kids hearing things on TikTok like Lizzo. I kid you not. Lizzo, you know, that obese, that morbidly obese woman who teaches you that being fat is body positivity, even though being fat is one of the leading causes of death during the pandemic for black people. Did y'all know that obesity, diabetes? I'm not making it up. I'm not trying to be mean, not fat shaming, but it's true. Like that was the one leading cause. So, so literally they're promoting something where they kind of want black people to die. They want you to die and, and then say that white supremacy killed you. when really it was all those cheeseburgers you ate. Right. But here's the thing. Lizzo was on TikTok, an app for children, and she was on her knees doing something with a man's body parts that only grown people know what that is. Right. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. Use your imagination. She was simulating that act with a man on TikTok. Right. So you're so you can tell me all day like, oh, yeah, it's up to the parents. blah blah. So what that's doing is that that is the entertainment industry's way of of kind of letting go of any responsibility or any accountability for the negative outcomes of the words that they speak. Now, they'll take credit all day for, for the good things that happen. They'll, they'll spend all their time trying to influence politics and everything else and saying we did this and we did that. But they won't take any credit or any responsibility for the damage that they do to the children, right? And, and, and so what they'll do is they want these black children to be damaged so they can then say, oh, it, it just happened because they're black. No, well, maybe it wouldn't happen if you had black artists who actually took responsibility and acknowledged the, the obvious, which is that your words have power. Uh, the reason corporations pay people like Cardi B millions of dollars to wear certain products is because they know that their words have power. Uh, the, the reason that Joe Biden interviewed Cardi B and passed over every black thinker in America to go speak to the rapper stripper is because he knows that her words have power. So if her words have the power to get people to buy products, if her words have the power to get people to go vote for certain politicians, if her words have power to get people to do certain internet trends and fads, if her words have the power to get millions of views on a video, then what makes you think that her words don't have the power to influence the mind of a little girl? who listens to her music and her lyrics every single day on repeat. If you don't see what I'm talking about, then you have no understanding of the subconscious mind, which means this conversation is probably above your pay grade. You really should just go to another platform right now because I'm just going to get on your nerves because I'm going to keep on challenging you with real information that will reflect the reality of why your misleadership class has been so highly ineffective for the last 50 years.
hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. Um, intelligentblackpeople.com. Uh, that's the, where you can go if you want to support the platform. We'd love to have you as part of our Patreon. Uh, we love you guys, and uh, that, that's what it is. Um, so here's what um, here, here's what here's what I'll I'll, I'll kind of roll with uh, to finish up on this. Um, so with with Tamika and and Vicky, you know I, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, I personally think that they those two could have talked on the phone. Um, I know Vicky Dillard very well. I believe, and I know Tamika a little bit. We know of each other. Um, I believe that if Tamika had wanted to talk to Vicky, they could have talked it out. Uh, Vicky's a very nice person. Uh, I believe Tamika somehow, again, because when white people put you on TV, you tend to feel like you're better off. Again, this is white supremacy. When most black people are white supremacists. So, so what will happen is that there will be somebody like a Vicky or Dr. Claude Anderson, who's highly respected, heavily loved in the black community. But there are black people, again, because white supremacy has infected all of us, like like the coronavirus, uh, there are black people who think, well, you know, yeah, you're 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 loved by black people, but that doesn't matter because being loved by white people matters more. Right. So because I'm loved by white people and you're loved by black people, then um, I don't really have to acknowledge you because white people told me that I don't have to do that. And so that arrogance, what that does is that creates these weird situations where you're Tamika and you're trying to pretend like Vicki Dillard's not relevant. When I will ask you guys right now, like I've got a, you know some people in here watching this video, a few thousand of you watch this video by the time it's done. Do you consider Vicki Dillard to be a relevant person? Give me a yes or no. Is, in fact, in your mind, who's more relevant? Vicki Dillon or Tamika Mallory? Who has more power in your mind? Who who do you think is more effective uh, for the community as far as people that you'd want your children looking up to? Who would you want your daughters to be like, uh, Vicki or Tamika? And I'm not, and it's not, it's not me saying Tamika's worthless. I'm not saying that at all. It's just me asking you this question. I'm asking you this because, because this is where, uh, this is where, this is where white supremacy ends up winning because they gas your head up with, uh, with illusions that somehow make you think that you're too good for the field Negroes. You're you're the house Negro. Yes, you are inside the house. Yes, uh, Tamika will get invited onto platforms and shows that Vicky will never be invited to. Vicky and Farrakhan can, you know, they'll, they'll never be invited to The View and all these other things, you know, whatever. Now, 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 shout out to Charlemagne and The Breakfast Club because they did actually have Farrakhan on. Um, I was a part of that. I, I connected those two. And, um, and and Farrakhan went on there, did a great job. Dr. Claude Anderson went on. So shout out to The Breakfast Club because they, they, they seem to understand, or at least um, Charlemagne does. But, but Tamika should probably reconsider this idea that somehow Vicky is so irrelevant that she doesn't have to acknowledge her. Um, because that right there is a form of white supremacy because we've made it abundantly clear. If I did a survey, I ha- I don't have trillions of people following me. I piss a lot of people off. There are a lot of folks, honestly, to be quite honest with you, they don't really love black people that much. And they're not really into this whole blickety black thing. They don't want to, they're not necessarily into like this sort of very highly overly logical dialogue that I, I, that I create on the platform. But, but I have about a million people total subscribed to across my different YouTube channels. And if I was to say, if I was to run a survey I, and I said, you know, who do you admire the most? Rank who you admire the most. I'm going to put Vicki Dillard here and Tamika Mallory here. And let's say we throw somebody else in there, Amanda Seals, somebody that's on TV. Um, Vicki would blow away the rest of the, the uh, of the crowd. Like Vicki would win hands down, right? So so it doesn't mean Vicki's the most recognized person in the world, but Vicky certainly has a certain amount of weight and leverage amongst Black people who are really looking for solutions. 
Now, Cardi B has more weight amongst people who want to be strippers and rappers. Uh, she has more weight amongst people who maybe are still sort of stuck in the matrix, who are still, you know, searching to go work for white people or still want to uh, do whatever it is, you know, like, OK, we're going to go vote for the Democrats. That's going to be our solution. Vicky has more weight in the people that I consider to be the most forward thinking and most progressive people. Vicky has weight amongst the people who believe in things like creating stronger families and how that's important for our community. Well, you know, mommy, daddy, children, everybody together, black men loving black women, black women loving and respecting black men, white people need not need not apply. This ain't got nothing to do with you, right? That's where Vicky's weight lies. That's where she's a heavyweight. She's a heavyweight in that space, right? Dr. Claude Anderson's a heavyweight in that space for people that are builders in the community. Like those of you that are that are saying, no, I don't really need more jobs from white people. We want to create our own businesses. No, I don't need white people to build better schools for themselves to educate us. We can build our own schools. No, I don't need white people to to change what they're putting on their media outlets. We want to own our own media outlets. So so in that space, Vicky is the heavyweight where some of these other people on TV become the heavyweights is in that sort of uh, interesting space where you're talking about this blended space, right? This uh, swirling space, right? Where maybe you admire Meghan Markle because she married a redheaded slave master across the sea. And you think that her wedding is the most romantic thing you ever saw when a lot of us are seeing the results of, you know, 400 years of blood and treachery where they've gone around the world stealing land from black people and chopping their heads off in front of their children. Also, they can be rich, right? Or, or, or maybe it's that space where you think that a black person is successful because white people have acknowledged them, which is kind of a form of white supremacy, because somehow you think that being associated with white media or being associated with white institutions or, or somebody winning a fucking Grammy Award somehow means that, oh, they've made progress. They've made black history. What the fuck is a, a black history am I making just because white people decide that they want to finally acknowledge how great I actually am? Are you telling me? I can't make white black history without getting a white man's permission. Well, if that's not white supremacy, then I don't know what is. Like, like literally, I saw somebody who says this about Tamron Hall. In Essence magazine, there was a person who wrote an article. I swear to God, they said that Tamron Hall made black history because she was the first black anchor on the Today Show. So who decides who the anchors on the Today Show are going to be? Do white people make that decision or do black people make that decision? White people make that decision. So what you're trying to convince me of, and I want you to think about this, only some people are going to get this because this is so, it's so much of a contradiction to everything you've been taught since you were a little kid. So some people ain't ready for that. Some people just have cognitive dissonance, their brain explodes. But a lot of you get what I'm saying. How in the hell can a white person decide what's going to be black history and what's not? (laughs) They don't get to make that decision. You make that decision. That is your first step to detoxing from white supremacy. Stop looking up and saying, Daddy, did, did, did I do good? Did, did, did I make black history? Like, no, they're not your parents. Not, they don't ask your permission for shit. They don't, when they make white history, they don't go to the black community and ask, well, well, hey, can you give, can you let, let a white guy into Howard University so we can, so we can say we made white history? That would sound absolutely insane, but you would define it as black history because a black person graduated from Yale. They're, oh, well, this was black history because this is the first black person to graduate from Yale. They certainly were upwardly mobile. They made great progress. What progress? There's no progress. 
I mean, they, they did something, you know, that, that's cool. Like, good for them. Like, you, okay, you went over to Yale and you graduated. That's cool. But but that ain't really, is that progress or is that just, in, integration is not always progress. I think that's the thing that we've had to figure out over time. And some of us still don't understand this. Integration is not progress by default. Some integration is um, that, you know, to say that integration is always progress is like saying that that you're always you've always you that you, that having sex means that you did something good. That if I have sex with a person, then that was a good decision because I got a chance to have sex. No, having sex is not necessarily a good thing, if, especially if you got raped right? or if you were having sex with a, some nasty person who gave you a disease. Or if you were sleeping with somebody who is low value, who's not worthy of you. No, sex is only a come up. If I'm if I'm having if you know, when I sleep with that beautiful woman that, that's in my house, like like, yeah, that then that's an accomplishment because she's the prettiest thing I ever saw. Right? So she's a quality woman. She's a good mom. She's a great person. Right. But but I'm not making progress if I go sleep with a stripper. Like that, some of y'all would probably think, boys, what are you doing? That's crazy, right? So so integration is a little bit like sex. Um, you think that anytime you engage with white folks, that that is a come up. And sometimes you're laying down and you're catching STDs of the mind and you are walking away like, look at me, I got some today. Look at me, I got some, I got acknowledged today. You need to check your self-esteem. Like, seriously, you need to understand, you need to check your self-worth to understand that you don't need to be mixing and mingling with everybody. In order for somebody to mix and mingle with you, they've got to be worthy of you. Like, seriously, you know, men, we have to be worthy. Like, you know, if you plant your seed in a woman, you can't plant your seed in that woman just because she got a big butt and a smile. You need to say, are you worthy of my seed? This woman might raise my kids. I'm a king. You can't raise the children of a king if you are a concubine or some court, you know, some court jester or some ridiculous person. No, because that's my seed that you have. And that's precious to me. You know, so so I think that for black people, you have to understand that 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 when you're at your best, um, you are precious. You are special. You are special just because you are. Because because you have you're you're printing your own currency, so to speak, in your space, like in your space, in this house right now, where I am right now, I am special. So the only way you're going to integrate with me in this house is if I think you're worthy of coming in my house. I'm not going to go chase you and go down the street and try to get into your house. Ain't nothing happening in your house that is going to make me leave what I got right here to go down there because what I got right here is so damn special that I must protect this and I must love this. So for black folks, one of the things you have to understand, this is where the integration is my ideology has made you very weak, is it's taking you off of your position. You're sitting on the throne and you jumped off the throne to go chasing and love in all the wrong places. You're looking to, to integrate and connect and, and hey, they let me in. Y'all, they, they told me that I was special. They gave, they gave me a job. Right? And, and you're completely leaving behind everything you have. Well, why is that? Well, because you are a white supremacist. Because you believe, just like white people do, that there is a premium to whiteness and a deflation to blackness. That blackness is not of the same value of whiteness. That, that, that whiteness is Gucci to you and blackness is like Walmart, 
right? And so, so when when somebody, and so this goes back to like to me, we talk about Tamika Mallory and the Vicky Dillard thing. I think that there's a little bit of white supremacy going on here. What the fuck is it about going on the view that somehow makes you more significant as a black person when a lot of the conscious, intelligent black people give zero fucks about anything that those raggedy ass, dumb ass women have to say on the view? Don't nobody care that you were on the view. A lot of people don't care that you was on the Grammys. A lot of people don't care that you was in a Cadillac commercial. Not a problem. That's cool. There are people who do care. But people who are black first, one of the aspects and the dimensions of black first means that black is premium over here. Like black is that's where it's at. Like, OK, when you went on the white show, why? Because you couldn't get on a black show. Is that what it was? You, is that is that why you OK, I get it. You went over there because because you couldn't get something better over here. Is that what it was? You, or you moved to a white neighborhood because there, there's no more space in the black neighborhood. OK, I understand. I guess you just got to go live where you got where you can live. I mean, I, I guess it's better than nothing. Right. Right. Like that's a mindset. And it takes practice thinking that way because that's self-love. Like, let me just tell you all a little secret right here. Hit the thumbs up button. If you could take one second, right? please hit the thumbs up button. Please, please, please hit the thumbs up button. Uh, share, subscribe on it. We're trying to build black media. I need your help on this. And I really, really appreciate you guys doing that. Also, if you want to get a free copy of my book, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar. It's totally free. Go to allblackeconomics.com. That's allblackeconomics.com. The book, uh, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar, is literally built on a four-part paradigm that I believe should shape the black community over the next 70 years. It's wealth, education, family, and community, a new paradigm for black America. And, uh, and it's a very short read, but I think it's a, it's, it's a good thing for you to read in terms of seeing a framework on how we can become great. Uh, so so here's, here's something. There was a study that a Yale professor did. It was an unsigned, it was, it was not scientific, but I, but it had credibility in my mind because I like the way the results kind of came out. The results made sense to me. And what this lady did was she went around the world to find out which is what is the most superior culture in the world. She looked at all the different cultures, you know, white people, Jewish people, you know, Latino, different Latino cultures, et cetera, and said, which culture tends to um just be the best in terms of producing the most success and the strongest families and the most wealth and all this other stuff. And you know what she concluded was actually in her view, in her view, and I don't disagree with this, um, maybe I'm biased, uh, but she she actually viewed that the Nigerian culture as being the strongest culture in the world. And, uh, and I guess maybe I'm biased because I'm actually one third Nigerian, didn't know that I'm very proud of that. And, uh, and so here, here are the factors that she concluded shape superior cultures. Uh, one was uh, a commitment, extreme commitment to education. Uh, give me a yes or no. How many of y'all know uh, any Nigerian family that where education is just a tip top priority and their kids are just killing the game? Like kids graduating from college at 17 years old or, or going to medical school and getting a Ph.D. at the same time. Just really like loads and loads of education. Right. So she said an extreme commitment to education is uh, one of the factors that determines the success of a given culture. The second one was. Um, a commitment to delayed gratification, meaning that you're not trying to just have a hit it and quit it kind of life. You're not just trying to go from one pleasure seeking activity to another. You're actually delaying gratification, meaning that you're basically making uh, a choice to say, uh, I'm going to sacrifice today so I can have more tomorrow. 
right? And, and you know, if you look at the African-American culture, we're all over the place. We have some people who sacrifice hard early so they can have big benefits later. And you got some people who just li- live their best life in the moment. And then the rest of their life is shit, right? You didn't want to go to school. You didn't want to get an education. So now you're going to be, you know, picking up trash for the rest of your life. No disrespect to tr- people who pick up trash. We need y'all. But I, I kind of believe that there might be a better life for you out there if that's what you want, right? So so de- a commitment to delay gratification. And all that really is saying, actually, is that uh, communities where uh, people where you have more investors tend to do better. An investor is nothing more than a farmer. It is a person who plants a seed so they can get a harvest, right? So you got a lot of people who don't get a harvest and they don't think about the fact that the reason you have no harvest is because you planted no seeds, right? And, and so, but, but they have no harvest. And they're like, I have no harvest. I did, I did, I had, you know, and, and, and everybody's like, well, it's because you're black, right? It's because you're black and because America's racist. And that's why you have no money. And that's why you have no education. And that's why you can't do anything for yourself. So that drills into that whole victim ideology that unfortunately is really heavily perpetuated more so on the liberal side. Conservatives just don't like your ass, don't care about you. Whereas the liberals are like, oh, we about you, you poor little Negro. You just so stupid. You can't do nothing for yourself. Here, let me give you a government shot. <laughs> Take this government shot. That'll help you survive. <laughs> but keep eating the fried chicken. Keep getting obese. Keep getting diabetes. Keep getting heart disease. Because that ain't your fault. Because because you're black and you just too stupid and you don't know how to eat healthy. You can't figure it out on your own. But we'll, we'll build you better schools, right? We'll pay ourselves to educate you because you're too stupid to educate yourself, right? So, <clears throat> so anyway so so anyway so the so next piece is um so there were three things three components one was um uh <clears throat> excuse me um a commitment to education a commitment to delay gratification <clears throat> the third component this is important this comes down to what i was talking about earlier a sense of <clears throat> of of superiority an extreme <clears throat> sense of self-love an extreme sense of pride in who the hell you are. She said that is the third component that she said, she, again, this is stereotyping. So if this offends anybody, I apologize. And if it's not accurate in all cases, of course it's not, it's a, it's a generalization. But she said the Nigerian people <clears throat> tend to be very family oriented and very, very proud of who they are, where they come from, what family they're in, what they represent. Like, and again, and again, this is just my experience. I don't know any Nigerian I've ever met who sits around saying, I wish I wasn't Nigerian. I wish I was white or I wish I was, you know, I wish I was Chinese. Right. <laughs> I don't know anybody who thinks that way. They're very, 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 very proud. Right. And so for black people, um, African-Americans in particular, descendants of slaves, uh, those of you that many of you are in here are descendants of slaves. I encourage you to kind of consider that. And because what that does is that is in complete contrast to the white supremacy that you were infected with since you were little, right? You were trained to believe that blackness has no value, that you're born black. And the best that you, that the best thing that can happen to you is that white people start to acknowledge you and validate you and allow you into their institutions and to accept you and to tell you that black lives matter and to tell you that you are worthy. And that makes you feel better. 
right? Like, like you get the you get the college degree from a big white owned university. Well, look at me. I'm a college graduate now. I would nothing. I'm gonna do a praise dance on the stage because Lord Jesus, I got this degree. White people acknowledge me, right? Or you're on TV. Look, mama, I'm on TV. They, they the NBC put me on TV. Look, mama, I'm at the Grammys. Look, mama, I did a Cadillac commercial. Look, mama, I um I got this job. I got this fancy job at this big white owned corporation. So we're not gonna talk at all about what I should be owning, right? We're not going to talk at all about what I could be building. We're not going to talk at all about what all I could do if I really took the lid off and really went to to become the best I could be. We're simply struggling for acknowledgement on some level. We want to be seen, right? And people that want to be seen are people that have low self-esteem because they weren't born in a world where somebody said, I see you already, Right. Compare that to like a prince. Imagine if somebody's born. Like there are some countries where the prince or the princess is born and they truly believe that they are descendants of God. That like, as you know, because I'm going to be the emperor, I am the living manifestation of God. Do you think that person's going to be running around seeking anybody's validation? Do you think that that person who is going to be the future emperor or who was told you're going to be the king one day? Do you think that they give zero fuck, any fucks at all about what you think? Do you think that they're looking for certification from you to tell them that they're a worthy human being? No, they're like, no, you should be looking for certification from me. Right. So one of the things I talk about, for example, in the black business school is I say when people ask me, they say, well, are you are you are your classes certified? Like, do you do, 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 do you have are you are you a certified institution? Do you have are you credentialed? And, I'm, and I say I say, no, we're not we're not certified by white supremacy. Why? That would probably reduce our credibility. Um, we give certifications. No, no, we're not. We, we know we, we're not trying to be certified by a system that is clearly flawed, that is clearly inferior to what we're trying to do. It doesn't mean they're inferior in all respects, right? Everything's relative, right? White systems are very good at taking care of white people. White systems are very good at educating white people. White systems are very good at upholding white supremacy. So they're doing their job, right? But 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 we're, that's not our job. Our job is not to uphold white supremacy. Our job is to um, be B1. And to elevate the black community. So that is the measuring stick that we should consider. Why would you measure yourself based on the wrong criteria? If you're a basketball player, why are you measuring yourself on how well you play football? If you are a fish, why are you measuring yourself by how well you can climb a tree? That's your damn problem. Fish ain't supposed to be climbing trees. So some of y'all end up looking crazy trying to get validation and acceptance and acknowledgement from people who are never going to accept you if you're doing your job halfway decently. If you know your black leaders who are really getting the job done and getting results in the black community are not the ones who are going to be acknowledged by the very systems that are designed to oppress black people in the first place. So, so when you're paying attention to who you want your leaders to be, you got to start there and at least use the right criteria, please. My good Lord, what is what are we doing? What are we doing? So I've, I've said most of what I want to say. Um, I'm looking at my notes here because I had thoughts I wanted to share. And uh, and I asked, I just want to ask you guys this this one question. Um, you know, what's your standard? You know, if, if you're black and you're talking about, you know, who you admire and what you want to become. What is your standard? What is your standard for, uh, you know, for your so-called black leaders? Um, 
is it that they just they were on TV and that white people put them on there and that's what makes them special? Um, is it a certain educational level you think they should have? Is it a certain agenda they should have? Right. Um, because I can just tell you that that leading the black community and getting results for the black community in many cases runs into direct contrasting conflict with what white people are doing for themselves. Right. Like if I'm an, if I'm a Los Angeles Laker, um, I cannot measure my uh, contribution to the Lakers by how hard I'm playing for the Denver Nuggets. I can't do that. If I'm wearing the Lakers uniform, I'm not supposed to be putting the ball in the basket of the Denver Nuggets if that is my motherfucking opponent. So you've got black so-called black leaders who claim to be playing for the black team. They're wearing the B1, the black, the you know, the black black people uniform, and they're putting the ball in the basket of the fucking opponent. Like you gotta check that. Like you gotta say, no, no, you if, if they're not playing defense against you then maybe you're doing something wrong because they're not supposed to be wanting you to put the ball in the basket. If they're cheering you on when you're putting the ball in the basket, there's a good chance that you're putting the ball in the wrong basket, right? If the Denver if I'm put, if I'm scoring 30 points and the Denver Nuggets are cheering me on and letting me get right to the basket, then somebody would say, you might want to check yourself a little bit and make sure you're scoring points for the right team because this doesn't make any sense. So when white supremacy is playing defense, that is one criteria you can use to determine if that is a person that might have an interest that is connected to your own. Uh, when I see certain people in the community, I see Dr. Claude Anderson, for example. I, I use this as an example because he just comes to mind. White folks are always playing defense on Dr. Anderson. They smartest man <laughs> imaginable. They wrote a full full studies on reparations and everything. So they're claiming that they they need to go study it, right? Even though they're going to study it wrong, he's already done that. He dedicated his life to this. They don't want to hear from this man. They are playing full-time defense. Dr. Anderson goes to put the ball in the basket. They're like, get that out of here. Right? They're blocking. They're, 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 they're tackling him when he goes to the basket. Maybe that tells you that he's playing for your team. So maybe you need to pass in the damn ball instead of passing the team to or passing the ball to people that are getting the easy layups <laughs> and getting cheered on by the opposition. Right? So uh, I'm not saying Tamika's in that category. But um, I don't believe in all this stuff when people come here talking about we got allies and this, that, and the other. These allies are not effective. These allies, they have their own interests. These allies are taking care of their own people. It ain't a reason to be mad at them. I'm not saying we, we hate them. I'm just saying that I don't, you would never convince me that, uh, you know, a million white feminists are ever going to have the political will to truly, truly sacrifice in the most relevant way uh, for black people to have what we need. I just don't believe that. I don't, it's not that I think that they're bad people. I don't walk around spending my time saying, oh, I hate you and I hate you and I hate you. If you're white and you're here, I don't hate you, man. I ain't got time to be hating you. But I'm telling you that people coming to you with all these damn allies, that is diluting your agenda. And the proof is in the potato salad. The proof is the fact that these people, this misleadership class has not achieved a goddamn thing in the last 60 years. If you go to certain neighborhoods uh, that Democrats have been running for decades, those neighborhoods, why, why are these the worst neighborhoods? Why is it that I can go in those neighborhoods and see an entire strip mall in a black community and every single business is owned by a person who ain't black? Why is it that, I, that, 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 that there's so much misery and crime and everything else in the neighborhood you're supposed to be running? And why is it that I have to be the asshole that's pointing out the obvious? 
That's the craziest thing in the world to me. So I need more assholes on board. I need more people to, that are right now in the chat. G- give me a yes, or you can even type the word asshole in the chat. I need more assholes. I need more people who are going to join me and being the asshole in the room who says, this ain't working, y'all. Like, this is making no sense. Please, I need your help because I don't want to be out here by myself. I don't want all this attention. I swear, I don't, I mean, you know, I, 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 I can't, it's not going to work if it's just me. I need more assholes in the room who are going to just be the person to say, this ain't really working. We need to try something different. You're putting the ball in the wrong basket. We need to try plan B. If we can do that, if we can be a little more direct in that regard, that's how we're going to achieve progress because that is how you get power, right? You cannot ask your opponent to give you permission to score baskets for your team because you scoring baskets in many cases is in direct conflict with the interests that they have in controlling you and using you as a resource for their own wealth and power, right? So, so, so just know that some of these conversations have to be difficult and some of your leaders are trying too hard to get along with the opponent for them to ever be an effective teammate. So we need better teammates. We need better team leaders. We need better team captains. People like Francis Creswellson, that's a deal. That's a good team captain for me. Uh, somebody like a Dr. Claude Anderson, that's a pretty good team captain. And the reason I know that they're effective is because white people spend their entire lives, white supremacy anyway, white supremacist institutions spent their entire career trying to block people like Francis Chris Welsing from ever getting access to mainstream media. They spend their entire career blocking people like Dr. Claude Anderson from ever really having a big platform because Lord knows they do not want everybody to, to hear what he has to say. Uh, Malcolm X is a pretty good uh, team captain. Uh, the Nation of Islam is a great team captain, right? So these are the people that I, that I think we should look to because these are the people that have solutions that actually work. And, uh, and and if we fund those solutions and support those solutions, then we can implement those solutions and win. So start with your own family, implement your solution in your family and stop worrying about what they're saying on media because most of this stuff just simply does not work. All right. So I'm going to go and I want to reiterate that this is not a diss track on Tamika Mallory. This is certainly not a diss track on my friend Charlemagne the God. Uh, Vicky Dillard, y'all know I love Vicky Dillard. She's a sweetheart. I love her to death. She she is one of the greatest black leaders that we've ever had. And uh, and, and I, I just, you know, that that's, she's, she's just a great, a wonderful human being. And, uh, and at the end of the day, the most important person in all of this is you and, and the community. And I want us to just reiterate B1. B1 means we are the top priority. There can be other priorities, but the black community must be the top. It must be the first. It must be the primary thing you focus on. And then you go and hit the other little things after that. Part of the reason nothing gets done is because everything gets diluted before the game begins. And by the time they get around to black people, there's nothing left. And that's why your community has been left behind. And the misleadership class needs to be challenged on that. And we really need new leaders to, to begin with. But building our own media is part of that process. So if you haven't done it yet, I hope you will take a second. Subscribe. Please, please, please subscribe. Uh, but you hit the thumbs up button. Let's build this black media so that we can get our messages out to the world as opposed to having other people's messages diluting or getting in the way of what we're trying to do. Okay. So uh, allblackeconomics.com, that's the URL if you want a free copy of my book and you can get on the email list and I'll send you lots of free stuff. And later on today, I'm going to come back in and we're going to talk about some stock market related stuff on the Black Financial Channel. But I wanted to address this issue right now. And in fact, I'm a little bit drained, so I'm going to go take a nap. So you guys have a good day. Uh, I will see you soon and I love you and uh, be good. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we don't want
too late. Now family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money and the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down, Dion, Dr. Voice TV. Here we are.